You're listening to the Black Panel Nerd. Yay! It was meant to be Nintendo's love letter to the core gamers. A way to reestablish itself as the premier name in console gaming. Instead, it is now widely regarded as a misfire and is one of the most divisive consoles ever developed. I am, of course, talking about the Wii U. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me on another episode of the Blatino Nerd. And this episode is dedicated to the Wii U. Now, in this episode, I'm going to discuss the history of the Wii U, its big failure, and my personal thoughts on the console, which, unpopular opinion, uh, I was actually a big fan of the console, and I am going to discuss why in this episode. So this episode will be in defense of the Wii U. The system was first conceived by Nintendo in 2008 under the name Project Cafe. And basically what what brought the Wii U about is that Nintendo had recognized several limitations and challenges with the Wii, such as the general public's perception that the system catered primarily to a casual audience. And with the Wii U, Nintendo wanted to bring back the core gamers. Uh, Game designer Shigeru Miyamoto admitted that the lack of high definition and the limited network infrastructure for the Wii also contributed to the system being regarded in a separate class to its competitors at the time, the PS3 and the 360. So then Nintendo came up with the idea for the Wii U which would be developed to accommodate the changes that they wanted to make to the Wii. Uh, Originally, there was a lot of debate on what direction that they wanted to, what direction they wanted to take the console in. And on numerous occasions, they had to start over with the development of the console. Uh, One concept that stuck was the there was a touchscreen embedded within the controller which was inspired by the blue light on the Wii disc tray that it would that illuminates to indicate whenever a player got a new message Miyamoto and his team wanted to include a small screen to provide game feedback and messages to players uh, if you're like me and you own the Dreamcast that's a that's a concept that Sega pulled off with its awesome and criminally underrated VMU system. However, much later in its development, the small touchscreen idea was later expanded into a full screen that could display the game being played in its entirety. An idea that Nintendo had always had, however, they just didn't have the finances to pull it off. Rumors surrounding the console began in about 2010 with speculation of an upcoming 
revision of the Wii, which was called the Wii HD, that would have supported high-definition video and have a Blu-ray drive. However, Nintendo president at the time, Satoru Iwata, later stated that there was no significant reason to include high-def into the Wii, and that such an addition would be much better suited for their next console. Miyamoto had expressed that Nintendo was in fact interested in working with high-definition graphics. However, the company's main focus was always gameplay. In October 2009, Miyamoto said that Nintendo had no concrete plans about its next console. However, he felt that the new system would continue to feature motion controls and also expected its interface to be more compact and cheaper. A big problem that people had with the Wii U was its interface. While meant to be convenient and easy to use, rather became was like clunky and cumbersome, and it could be a little hard to navigate at times, especially with the whole having to go through multiple pages to find what it was you want. If you were like me and you owned a really, really large Wii library, it's a major, major pain in the ass to have to scroll through the pages to find what you were looking for. Um, it, it was a great idea. I, and I also enjoy the Wii. I know the Wii also has its detractors. But, I mean, the Wii is one of, if not the best-selling console of all time. I mean, it may have been beaten since then. But at one point, it was the best-selling console of all time. And, I mean, numbers don't lie, despite how people feel about the Wii. But I digress. That's a later episode. We're talking about Wii U, of course. So, uh, another concept that Iwata and everyone at Nintendo had is that the Wii successor would be 3D compatible. But the adoption rates of 3D televisions at the time, especially here in the States really wasn't enough to justify a 3D console. Nintendo, inside in 2010, Nintendo of America felt that they felt confident that the Wii console had a very long life in front of it and had declared that a console, a new console wasn't happening, effectively killing the rumors of a successor to the Wii. So we thought At E3 2010, Iwata revealed to the BBC, that's the British Broadcasting Channel for those who may not know, not that BBC, you fucking perverts, because I know what you thought, that Nintendo would begin announcing a new console once it ran out of ideas with the current hardware. At an investors meeting, it was disclosed that Nintendo was of course studying and developing the next console to the Wii but was also keeping its concept secret because it was really, really important for this to surprise people. The 3D idea was later scrapped, obviously, because, again, especially here in the States, 3D TVs never really caught on. One, they were super expensive. Two, a lot of people really can't take 3D in long periods, and there just wasn't enough programming movies, TV, and especially video games to justify owning a 3D television. In April 2011, 
An uncredited source indicated that Nintendo was planning to unveil a successor to the Wii known as Project Cafe at E3 of the same year. Cafe was claimed to be a high-definition console, but would also have backward compatibility with Wii software. Conflicting reports also surrounded the Wii U's controller, with rumors going around that a tablet-like device with a touchscreen and the ability to stream games would happen, while others reported that the Wii U controller would be similar to the GameCube controller and feature dual analog sticks, shoulder buttons, and triggers. Well, they both ended up being right. The Wii U had its touchscreen gamepad as well as the Pro Controller, which, while not quite built like a GameCube controller, did have the dual analog joysticks, but also had the button. The button layout was more was more similar to the 360 than it was the GameCube. However, on April 25th, 2011, Nintendo released an official statement announcing a system to succeed the Wii that would be released in 2012, and that playable console units would be present at E3 2011. They confirmed that while the device would not come out in the fiscal year of 2012, meaning that its release window would have been anywhere after April of 2012. In June, a report was issued confirming the earlier rumor that the console would feature a controller with a 6-inch touchscreen. Project Cafe was officially unveiled and announced as the, as the Wii U at E3 in 2011. Nintendo explained that the Wii U would be a system we would all enjoy together, but also one that's tailor-made for you, the gamers. The rumored tablet controller, the Wii U gamepad as it is you know, now known, was shown at this time. No first-party games in the bizarre move were shown during the presentation, but several major third-party studios had announced games for the Wii U. The possibility of a new Super Smash Bros. game was teased, and EA's then-CEO, John Riccatello, appeared on stage to discuss the company's prospective plans for products on the Wii U. There were a series of tech demos available, showcasing gameplay concepts, the technological capabilities of the console, including a Legend of Zelda-themed graphics demo, and new Super Mario Bros. Me. On January 26, 2012, Iwata announced that the Wii U would launch by the end of the 2012 shopping season in all major regions, and that its final specs would be revealed at E3 2012. He also stated that the console would feature a unified online system known as the Nintendo Network, which would feature user account support as opposed to the use of friend codes. Nintendo Network would also provide the framework for online multiplayer interactions, add-on content, as well as online distribution of application and video games. Iwata mentioned that the Wii U gamepad would support NFC, which would allow the system to wirelessly interact with figurines and cards, better known as Amiibos. 
It would also allow for microtransactions to take place wirelessly using credit cards with NFC support. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever actually used NFC on their debit cards on the Wii U. I personally never used it. Um, if there's anyone out there that did use it, if you hear this episode, feel free to hit me up at, uh, you can hit me up on any of my socials or at bletinonerd at gmail.com and let me know what that was like. Like, what was the experience using your credit card with NFC? Anyway, the following September, I'm sorry, September of that year, Nintendo announced that the Wii U would launch in Japan on December 8th. Later that day, Nintendo announced that the North American launch date would be November 18th. Nintendo Australia and Nintendo Europe announced that their Wii U would be released November 30th. Now, here's where the problem lies. Or here's where the problems start, rather. There are many problems with the Wii U. Even as someone who is a fan of the console, I will admit there are numerous times throughout the Wii U's lifespan, from its conception to its eventual demise, Nintendo shot themselves in the foot on many occasions. The big thing being that during its E3 presentation, I remember it pretty vividly, um, it seemed to focus solely on the gamepad and nothing else. So anyone watching was kind of confused by what it was that Nintendo was trying to sell. They didn't know if Nintendo was trying to push a brand new console off on us, or if the gamepad was just a fancy attachment for the original Wii. I mean, they did tout the HD, you know, the HD graphics, which was huge for Nintendo, because granted, there was an HDMI port in the back of the original Wii, but... For games that run at 480 naturally, there was really no use. As a matter of fact, um, I remember some of the games lagging if you tried to play them with an HDMI cable attached. Um, a few of the games, I know like Excite Truck was one. Uh, Sonic and the Black Knight, if you're one of the five people who played that game. If you played it with an HDMI, if you played it with an HDMI attached, it often lagged because... The Wii wasn't meant to be played in HD. It's just It was just a quick cash grab. I don't even think Nintendo themselves released an official HDMI cord. I think just like they were all like third party and yeah, just not very good. But um, yeah, it got to the point where the they focused so much on the gamepad that people mistook the gamepad as an ex, uh, as an accessory. For the already existing console, rather than a component of an entirely new console. They then went on to say that future promos like commercials, magazines, anything like that, would focus on both the console and the gamepad. Now, I remember the launch date perfectly. I had, uh, Erica and I actually pre-ordered the console at Target because... Target at the time was probably the only store still taking pre-orders on the console. And back then, like, the pre-order console was a dollar, which I thought was fucking great. So I literally went in there, grabbed the little card, had them scan it, 
literally pre-ordered a $350 console for a dollar and walked out. And uh, on launch day, Erica and I, we got up, we drove to Target. We got there right before they opened. And I remember actually being in line behind other customers and Erica and I talking about the Wii U and the other customers who were in line weren't even aware that Nintendo had released a new console that day. They were just legitimately waiting for the store to open. So that's when I was like, oh, oh boy. This, uh, you know, maybe it's just this target. Maybe these guys just don't know. And you know, I went to go pick up my console and a very, very good friend of mine, shout out to Fobbs, like, uh, like almost lifelong friend at this point. Um, you know, I went there, I said, what's up? He was working in that department. And he was like, yo, you here for the Wii U? And I'm like, of course I'm here for the Wii U. And I picked up the Wii U and I believe I got a uh, Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers Wii U because I think that's the game everyone got. I also picked up Zombie U, which, oh boy, probably one of the worst games I've ever played. And I've played a lot. I, I've played Ride to Hell Retribution. If you guys don't know what that is, do your Googles. Google that shit. I've played some bad games. But Zombie U was, on paper, the concept was awesome. But oh boy, oh boy, did it suck in execution in every way. But anyway, I digress. So November 18th, the console was finally released in two versions, the basic bundle and the deluxe bundle. The basic bundle had just the console and eight gigs of storage, was a white console and included an HDMI cable. While the deluxe console, which was the one that Erica and I got, was a black Wii U. I would not say Erica and I got, I actually still have it it's sitting right here in front of me as i record this uh had a th had 32 gigs of storage a black gamepad and stylus an hdmi cable a nintendo network subscription the nintendo land game bundled inside the box except in japan uh also came with a stand for the gamepad as well as a sensor bar uh the wii u launched in america at $300 for the basic set and $350 for the deluxe set. Uh, Japan later got a premium pack, which included an official battery pack and charger dock for the Wii Remote. Now, when the Wii U launched, it was the first fully backwards compatible console on the market. Now, I know you're going to listen to this and say, well, the PS3 and the 360 existed. What I mean by fully compatible is, whereas only certain PlayStation 3 consoles played PS2 games, and the 360 did play all original Xbox games at the time, there were certain accessories that couldn't be used. For example, on the 360, you couldn't use the Duke or any of the OG Xbox controllers. PS3, you could use PS2 controllers, but you had to buy a separate attachment for it. It was a pain in the ass, and why on earth would you do that when you have two perfectly good wireless fucking controllers? 
like why take the step backwards it's the same thing with the 360 why would you have this clunky ass plastic dangerous jump rope hang yourself wire when you could just use the wireless controllers now when i say hang yourself i don't mean suicide but anybody who had trigger warning by the way good yeah but um anyone who had the original control knows that those things were like you could probably hold up a building with the wires on the original xbox controller like if the fucking building was leaning over i could probably call the powerpuff girls and have them take the wires of the xbox controller and just fucking pull them into place they were ridiculous but now by fully backwards compatible i mean that every single accessory that worked on the wii worked on the wii u the controllers the balance boards the sensor bars all of it the only problem with that is that in order to make it fully backwards compatible with wii we lost the ability to play game boy uh not game boy gamecube games which you know if you were a big fan of the wii for that reason the Wii U felt like a fucking dagger in the eye. Yeah. There was that. <laughs> uh, on August 23rd, 2013, Nintendo announced that the deluxe console would then drop in price from $350 to just $299. The price drop took effect on September 20th, which, which I don't think has happened since. And... I don't think it happened before that, that a console received a price drop just 10 months into its life cycle. Yeah, I get that, you know, sometimes sales happen and, you know, some, you know, with GameStop and other pre-owned console retailers, but a straight price drop less than a year into a console's life cycle, usually never a good sign. But, you know, it is what it is. So, in Europe, Nintendo didn't confirm a formal price cut since individual retailers were allowed to set their own prices on the console. Starting October 4th, 2013, the company reduced the wholesale price of its system to retailers. Later releasing a Legend of Zelda Wind Waker HD bundle, which... Came with everything the deluxe set came with, except it had this gorgeous, gorgeous Triforce symbol. It, it like black and gold. It was a thing of beauty. If you have one, I'm super jealous of you. Um, the only person I know of who probably has it is my buddy Hector. And if you're listening, you need to run that shit one day. I'm just saying. But, um, yeah, so... Um, now with the major issues with the console itself as i stated you know the way nintendo marketed it they really didn't know what people really didn't know if they were marketing a new console or if they were just adding a really fancy attachment to the original wii which i think turned a lot of potential consumers off um one cool thing about the Wii U is that it actually was the first console of the 8th generation of gaming. 
it does actually predate the PS4 and the Xbox One. Uh, I think there might be half half a year difference, or it could even be a full year difference. Uh, let me see here. What is the? Oh, okay. So, yeah, the Wii U was in 2012. The PS3 was in uh, PS3 and the Xbox One were in. 2013 and the eighth generation of consoles officially ended with the switch so nintendo actually is the only game company that had two consoles within the same console generation now my view on the switch is that the wii u was a promise originally made the switch is a promise delivered it took a while, but the Switch, to me, is everything that Nintendo wanted the Wii U to be. And it nails it in almost every aspect. But again, that's another episode all on its own. We're focusing on the big, bulky Wii U. Um, another cool thing about it is that, if I remember correctly, it was the first console that actually supported USB terabyte drives. I know you could attach USB drives to the 360 and to add storage on the PS3, you had to take the whole damn console apart. Well, not really. There was like a battery covered door which had to uncover, uncover the battery door, unscrew the SATA drive, put in a new one, reformat the console, and whereas the Wii U, if you had a terabyte drive, you merely had to plug it into one of the two USB ports up front, or one of the two in back, which that was also another. That was also another awesome thing. I mean, I know the PS3 had four USBs, but that model was discontinued like post haste. Um, it was also really impressive in terms of the text uh, of like the the tech the specs of the console itself. It was pretty interesting. Um, it had a multi-chip module in it, which was developed by AMD and IBM in cooperation with Nintendo. Uh, they had an espresso central processing unit and a graphics chip, which was called a latte. And the console at the time was pretty, it was pretty impressive. It was pretty powerful. Um, the console contained two gigs of system memory and had 20 times the amount of bandwidth that was found on the Wii. So like on paper, this thing sounded like a beast. It could also hold up to uh, 32 gig uh, SD cards, which, you know, 32 gigs now is like DLC for Sonic Colors. But you know, then, almost 10 years ago, as, as a matter of fact, we're almost coming on... 10 years actually maybe 10 years today as of this recording since the wii u was first announced so there there you go look at that so yeah for the time a 32 gig sd card and a console wasn't really you know it was unheard of it, it was it was awesome but again the 32 gigs now was like nothing i it's probably like roblox or some shit now um, it also was able to be connected via Wi-Fi, uh, supported Bluetooth. 
output options were actually from 480i up to 1080p, which for Nintendo was like uncharted waters. And the Wii U gamepad at the time was such an impressive piece of technology because it actually allowed you to play your game off TV, meaning that you know you're in the middle of a very intense game, the the kids, the spouse, the whoever comes in decides they want to watch TV, you know, they don't have to impede on your gaming ability. It was a simple press of the button, which I believe was the minus button, depending on the game, and it simply traveled from TV to gamepad. The distance was an issue. I think you couldn't be more than like 40 feet away from your console. So it wasn't something that you could, you know, unless you lived in a very small apartment, it wasn't something you could like go walk away and, you know, walk away and go play. But it was still awesome. And a lot of companies now have since adopted it. Like it's a big part of what Sony does now. And it's later evolved into what we now know as cloud gaming, which gives you the ability to, you know, now we're now in a generation where we can play Xbox Series X games on our iPads, phones, and tablets, which is awesome, but also is a big, big, as you'd say, the kind of like spiritual successors to what you could do on the Wii U gamepad, which at the time was amazing. I believe we now know it as second screen gaming or remote gaming. Yeah, the Wii U definitely was the OG when it came to that. Um, the gamepad was actually designed to enable a concept called asymmetric gaming, meaning that in multiplayer games, a player using the gamepad would have a different objective or experience excuse me, than other players. A prime example of this was Super Mario Bros. Wii U. Whereas if you're holding the gamepad, you could either create or destroy obstacles for the other players. So if you had to, like, cross a bridge, you could draw... You know, if somebody sucked at jumping and could never cover the gap, you could add, like, blocks or something to build a bridge for them to get across. It was cool. Uh, ESPN Sports Connection, which I was a big fan of. Uh, the golf game in there required you to put the gamepad on the floor and use the Wii Remote to swing the golf club off of the gamepad, which, again, at the time, I know the 360 had Connect, but let's be real. <coughs> Excuse me. There was like six good connect games three of them were dance central i think the other three may have been just dance so yeah i know someone's going to hear this it's going to be that smart as ooh, they had connect and playstation had playstation move yeah both of which exist because the wii the thing i mean technically nintendo also was one of the first companies to introduce a sort of VR gaming, but I am never, ever going to fucking talk about the Virtual Boy. That's something we're not going to do here, so I'm not going to touch it into that. Um, yeah, they also got the really cool controller, which is actually still one of my favorite controllers that Nintendo has ever uh, 
produced. I really enjoy the Wii U Pro Controller. It just, it, the feel of it, the response time, it's just, it's all so nice. And the point of the Wii U Pro Controller was that it was supposed to appeal to hardcore, hardcore players, which had a more traditional gamepad design. And again, as I mentioned earlier, was closer in design to like the PS3 and the 360 controllers. It also had an 80-hour battery life, which is unreal. And its only downside is that it didn't work for regular Wii games, which makes sense because most of those were big on motion gaming. Um, the Wii U was also compatible, as I stated, with all of the Wii accessories. So the Motion Plus, the Nunchuck, the Balance Board, all of that. Um, you also could combine Wii U remote, uh, Wii remotes and Pro Controllers. So not everybody had to use the same kind of controller. Uh, they did later create a USB accessory for the Wii U, which allowed you to use your GameCube controllers for all of you Melee enthusiasts and loyalists, which was awesome because that USB, a USB adapter actually ended up being compatible for Switch as well, which, you know, is awesome. But what sucks about that is that it literally only worked in Super Smash Brothers. So you couldn't use the GameCube controller and USB adapter in any other game. Which, speaking of games, here is where Nintendo really kind of shit the bed on the Wii U. Um, there weren't a lot of games for it. Especially not a lot of exclusives. Now... In its defense, and this is where my defense of the Wii U comes in. In its defense, of the original first-party games that the Wii U had, I'm going to say a solid 90% of them are great, if not out-and-out -out classics. Yeah, there were a few stinkers here and there, like Devil's Third, which was like supposed to be the Wii U's, like, killer app and anyone who's played devil's third i really don't need to tell you but if you own a wii u and you've never played devil's third you're not missing anything however if curiosity gets the better of you fly high my friends but um yeah almost all the wii u exclusives are phenomenal games and i think that's why a lot of Wii U games have since been ported over to the Switch. It's just because the Switch was discontinued in 2015, just two and a half years after it was released. I think it ended up selling like 12 million cop uh, 12 million units total, which is what like the PS4 and the Xbox One all sold on like day one. And it was like that was the lifetime sales of the Wii U. It was like 12.5 like 12.5 million units which is weird to me because how the fuck do you sell half a console but you know I, I don't know how the metrics work there it's it's like sports it's like you win two games but you're somehow a game and a half of you can play half a game but again I digress um yeah it the the games were great I mean you had again there was some stinkers devil's third um, Paper Mario Color Splash was kind of weak. 
Um, it did also get the Breath of it did also get Breath of the Wild, which which came super close to being the best Zelda game ever made. However, uh, here is where uh, I stir the pot because to me. The best Zelda game ever made, hands down, is Twilight Princess. I will die on that hill. Anyone who wants to debate me on it, you're more than welcome. I will do a Zelda episode, and I will fucking school you kids on why Twilight Princess is the best Zelda game ever made. But, yeah, Breath of the Wild ended up, I believe, being its final, the final original title for the Wii U. But if you bought a Switch... Chances are you bought Breath of the Wild at launch, so no one really cared about Breath of the Wild being on Wii U. Unless you, you know, you were like me and you were a Wii U loyalist. I ended up getting it for both consoles, which I believe, like, the Wii U version is now incredibly hard to find. Um, yeah, but you, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze... Which to me is the best game in the franchise since maybe Donkey Kong Country 2. And I love Donkey Kong Country 3. But Tropical Freeze, as punishing as it is, is such a fantastic game. And that was one of the games that when it got ported over to the Switch, I was like, this absolutely warrants a second purchase or a first purchase if you didn't own a Wii U. Great game. Um, Super Mario Maker was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Super Mario Brothers Wii U. It was a launch title, but it still holds up very well. Um, Splatoon. Tokyo Mirage Sessions, which is actually my favorite Wii U game of, like, all of them. It's not to knock, you know, Bayonetta 2, which was an absolute classic of a game. But Bayonetta 1 was also great. But Bayonetta 2 is where it's at. Um, but Tokyo Mirage Sessions is my favorite game. Uh, if you've never played it, it's a, it's a crossover RPG. It crosses over Fire Emblem and the Persona series. And it was really, really good. And I, it wasn't even a game that I know I wanted. That I didn't know I wanted, rather. I went into GameStop looking for something else entirely. And the manager at the time, uh, another good friend of mine, Drew, walks in. I walk in, and he's like, I know what you want. So he opens, you know, he opens the drawer where all the games are. He gives this to me, and I'm like, uh, I don't know what this is. This isn't what I'm... He goes, no, I know what you came here for, but this is what you want. And I was like, uh, okay. And he goes, I even have the deluxe edition, which trust me, you want it. Now, Drew and I have almost similar taste in games. There's a big one that we disagree on, which I won't get into. But um, I was like, yeah, sure. Um, so I ended up buying Tokyo Mirage Sessions instead of the game I initially went there for, which now I don't even remember, and now it's irrelevant. Um, so I put it, you know, I put it into my Wii U, and immediately I was hooked. It just, it's such a wonderful game, and everything about it works. And it is still, to this day, my favorite game released on the Wii U console, which... You know, really isn't a lot when you look at the library. Um, 
but all the first party games were great but the biggest problem with the wii u is that there was no third party support meaning that very few companies actually released any games for them and that was a big problem at launch because with the exception of super mario brothers and that god awful zombie u game every other game that was available at launch for wii u was already out on other consoles and i mean like months before so with the exception of assassin's creed 3 which has the distinction of a lot of the bugs that plagued the ps3 and 360 versions were missing from the wii u version which until the remastered version came out uh was it like two years ago now i would always say that the wii u version of assassin's creed 3 is the definitive version it was the first version i played because i had missed assassin's creed 3 up to that point so i got the benefit of you know getting it at launch and getting the almost bug-free playable version of assassin's creed 3 um ninja gaiden razor's edge which Ninja Gaiden 3 is the worst game in the franchise anyway. Um, if, if you play the version with all the DLC, it's slightly better, but it's like spraying a tur- like spraying Lysol on a turd. Um, yeah, uh, but all the other games, it was like Batman Arkham City, which everybody and their mom, my mom included, had already 100% completed. And there was really no incentive to go back and buy it again unless you wanted to check out all the bat tech on the uh, gamepad. <laughs> I said bat tech. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, EA, who, you know, they trounced around with their pants up and say, oh, we have so many great things planned for the Wii U and we can't wait to show you and i believe the only ea titles that ever actually made it to the wii u are madden fifa need for speed and mass effect 3. i literally i believe it is literally just those four games that ea ever released for the wii u the problem with that all four of those games were already available on other consoles i mean they had cool wii u exclusive features like madden you could call the plays on the gamepad and not on the TV screen. Um, Need for Speed, Wii U, its most fascinating feature is the ability to switch between gamepad and TV play on the fly. Uh, Mass Effect 3 had all the DLC available at the time, but again, these are games that had already been out for ages. Um, Black Ops 2 came out for the Wii U, and then I think Call of Duty Ghosts, and then that was literally it. Uh, we got that really shitty 007 game, which came and went. Um, a crap ton of vaporware, or well, not vaporware, uh, shovelware, rather. Which, for those of you who aren't in the know, shovelware is literally just a game that companies shell out to make a quick buck. A lot of them are really bad bug-ridden, unplayable, or just something that would appeal to a five-year-old for maybe six minutes. Like, Game Party Champions is one that comes to mind. Uh, Family Friendly Arcade, I think, was the name of it. It had, like, 
it had like 30 games that had the excitement level as reading the like it had the excitement level of reading the nutrition facts on a box of cereal at two in the morning with the lights off uh there was like a really weird version of like tic-tac-toe on one of them and i was like this is the equivalent of watching paint dry but uh yeah um the gamepad in itself was super innovative i still am a big fan of the gamepad uh espn sports connection is still a game on the wii u that i am a big big fan of um Another thing that, like, the Dreamcast before it, which killed an otherwise super innovative console, uh, online piracy. Yeah, the Wii U, the Wii U was susceptible to its own form of online piracy, but it's different with the Wii U because, you know, with the, if you jailbreak a Wii U, you not only have the ability to play Wii U games directly off of a hard drive, but you could also jailbreak the V-Wii, which is what's called the Virtual Wii. That was the Virtual Wii interface that allowed you to play Wii games on the Wii U. You could also hack that, which gave you the ability to play all of your Wii library off of a hard drive. Same thing with the Wii U. You could also add emulators, which was awesome. Uh, there was a GameCube emulator, a PS2 emulator, which all the games on the PS2 emulator didn't run the greatest, but they ran okay. Um, I'm not going to share info on how to do that here. Um, because it is in fact illegal. And I don't recommend it. But there are tutorials online. I can tell you that much. There are tutorials online on how to do this. If you've never... If you've never thought about jailbreaking your wii u i will say there are benefits however i won't tell you what those are or how to do them because they are illegal and nintendo is the master of sticking you for every last dime you got we can just ask the owners of any rom site ever or soldier boy nintendo has no problem coming for that ass and they won't do that here so um yeah, I remember one high-profile Wii U release, which actually is now one of my favorite games of all time. Rayman Legends was originally announced as a Wii U exclusive. And in fact, the playable consoles at Target, Best Buy, and I believe even GameStop, the playable game was the Castle Rock level of... Rayman Legends and if you've never played the Castle Rock level it's actually one of my favorite levels in video game history because as you go along the level and kill all the enemies and capture all the I believe they're called Ludlums once you capture all of them you realize that all of this is playing to the tune, uh, tune of Black Betty by Ram Jam and they're even singing their own version of it which is fucking adorable but um Rayman Legends was meant to be a launch title for the console and was delayed numerous times. So much so that by the time Rayman Legends actually saw a release, it had now become a multi-platform release. So it started as a, originally a Wii U exclusive, later became available for 
Wii U, PS3, 360, I believe PS4, Xbox One, and eventually the Switch all got versions of Rayman Legends. So by the time it actually hit the Wii U, it was too little too late, and interest had already waned. However, it is still a phenomenal game, but that was one of like only, I think, five games Ubisoft ever produced for the Wii U. Rayman, Assassin's Creed 3, Assassin's Creed 4, I have to mention it one more time, Zombie U, and I think there was, actually, I th- maybe there were four, I might be wrong, but I think Activision's only games were the two Call of Duties, the 007, needless to say, third party developers often said that they found it hard to develop for the console because of the gamepad and the technology. It wasn't exactly a technology that they had dealt with before, so they didn't really know how to develop for it. So the Wii U was kind of released without a leg to stand on. I mean, the eShop selection was great because you could buy older Wii games. You could buy NES games, SNES games. There's a lot of indie titles available. So the I will defend the Wii U in that aspect. The indie titles... And again, it's first-party titles. It's originals, exclusives, whatever you want to call them, are absolutely phenomenal. And if you, again, I can't tell you how to go about it, but should you decide to go ahead and jailbreak your console, you'll find a nice extended life in the Wii U, actually. Um... What I think Nintendo could have done better with the Wii U is, one, the biggest thing is marketing. They should have let this be known from the beginning that this was a brand new console and the only thing it actually shared with the Wii, aside from its backwards compatibility, is the name. Which, I'm also not a big fan of the name. I love the Wii U, but I hate the name Wii U. Because I still don't even know what it means. But it's one of those things. You know, it's here. It happened. Can't fix it, right? Um, Yeah, marketing is definitely a big thing. They should have done a better job of conveying what it was they were trying to do. Um, Yeah, lack of third-party support was a big thing. I mean, these guys didn't necessarily have to develop anything special for the gamepad. Because the off-TV play was enough of a sell in itself. Um, Regardless of what anybody says their preferred console is for exclusives, no console can survive on exclusives alone. That third-party support is definitely a major, major player to any major console. And even with the massive amount of shovelware that the original Wii had they still had third-party support. And that was something that the Wii U just couldn't get. So the Wii U just kind of went out into the cold with nothing but a hoodie and some ratty old boots in this world of gaming. Um, It seemed like Nintendo kind of lost faith in its own console really early on. Because, again, a price drop 10 months into its life cycle was definitely a bad sign. And then by 2015, just 
two years after this console was out, they had already began work on the next thing. And it just, it seemed to me that Nintendo decided to abandon ship rather than, you know, own up to it. However, a lot of the innovations, well, a lot of the things that were innovated by the Wii U have since made their way onto other things. Like, again, the gamepad, the off-TV play was definitely a precursor to, like, remote gaming or cloud gaming, which we now enjoy. Um, Also, I feel like without the failure of the Wii U, the Switch wouldn't exist. As I stated earlier, the Wii U was a promise made. We The Switch was a promise kept. Because the Switch does everything that Nintendo wanted to do with the Wii U. Except, of course, play, you know, use Wii U accessories. Except for the USB GameCube thing. Um, you know, you can't play any Wii games on it unless you buy Wii games and use the motion controls. Like, even with the Switch, there are motion controls, but the console is not reliant on motion controls. You actually, there's maybe only 20 games in the entire Switch library that absolutely necessarily necessarily require motion controls. Which, you know, is fine. But I feel like without the Wii U, we wouldn't have got the Switch. Which, to me, maybe only needs three more great exclusives to be the best console Nintendo has ever produced. Now, I've been a Nintendo kid my entire life, and I say that firmly. Within a year or two, the Switch could very easily be the greatest console in Nintendo's history. And I believe that that has a lot to do with what happened with the Wii U. So, and that aspect, instead of it being a misfire or a out-and-out failure, I consider it the little console that could. Because it tried and it tried, and while it could never pick up Steam led to greater things for Nintendo and gamers. And I think that that's something that we can all get behind, regardless of how you feel about the console. So, I thank you guys for joining me for another episode of The Blatino Nerd. I'll catch you on the next one. Happy gaming, and as always, keep it nerdy.